When we first started the wreck, uh, started excavating the wreck, it was quite easy because the bottles were laying on the surface. Now some of these bottles that we brought up were already empty. They had either been consumed by the crew or they have popped, the corks have, have since emptied and, and they were emptied. And as you can see, some have actually been brought up with corals and some without corals. Some corals are very soft, they're very soft, um, like a brown in colour, and underneath that coral uh, is like a mud, and so they remove themselves after some time of being on the bottle, um, they, they separate uh, from the surface. Some other corals are a lot harder and they remain on the bottles and, and we've left them as is. And this obviously is a, a gorgeous example of a champagne bottle. And we are endeavouring at the moment just to store them all in their, um, their, their lots. So champagne bottles with champagne bottles. Some of the bottles that we've brought up have got fruit in them still and we have different varieties of fruit. Now some of these bottles were also um, broken and the fruit has been exposed. So we've been able to really identify the fruit from not only the flesh, but from the stones such as yellow cherries and red cherries, even grapes. We have boysenberries and, and, um, and blueberries and a particular fruit which I have no identification of and that will come at a later date, I guess when we get the, the greater experts in, which will be quite soon because now we have enough of these artifacts to do that. One of the bottles which I find very special for me in, in particular because again, everything that's brought up, we are looking for identification. We're looking for identification that it's English, that it fits the time period of the Viscount Melbourne. And this one here was, um, it's, it's called Cognac Brandy, and it actually has the seal of the, the symbol of the Cognac Brandy, which is this little flower. And apparently, according to a Cognac expert in France, whom I made contact with because I was hoping that he could give me information on this particular bottle, this particular seal, and it is up on a website, his website to go to on a forum uh, where he asked cognac brandy experts around the world, did they know anything about this? And I've yet to receive anything back other than who was importing brandy at that particular time in England. And he was very excited because he said if we had brought up a bottle with cognac in it, it was quite valuable, but I'm assuming that this is non-consumable because it's not been stored. In a, in a cool uh, environment. But nonetheless, it has the seal of this little flower. The uh, King of France would not consume any brandy that did not have this little flower on it. So that was exciting for us that, that we, we have this particular seal. This is stored down. We are actually winemakers on our farm. We had a, a high altitude white wine vineyard. And this has helped you know, enormously in the sense that um, it helps in identifying the bottles and in storing the bottles. Now, these bottles, I've sealed them with a wax because now that they're out of the water, those corks will dry out. So to keep these corks wet, which will keep the seal, which will preserve the content, 
they must lay down. And this wax is only there to actually help keep the air away from the cork so that it preserves both the content and the cork itself. And I, and I only have them up right now because I'm showing, um, I'm showing these at the moment. They will go back in their original place. And we have a couple of these little stone um, earthenware. Again, there is no, um, there's, there's no seal, there's no identification on any of these, but according to my research, they were used for things like butter and salted fish. Uh, and this was exciting for me because we know Harry Thompson's account that they killed the sheep and they killed the pig and that they had animals on board. And we have brought up the rib of the sheep and this is the horn of the sheep. Now we're sheep farmers and so we often dehorned and I'm quite familiar with horns so that one was easy for me also. Um, so we do have a couple of these, uh, large and small, and a couple of the, the rib as well. But again, all cargo vessels, I'm assuming, also carried animals, so that, that isn't particularly confirmation of the Viscount Melbourne, however. We have a little bit of everything. We've got, I mean, we're talking about precious things like bottles and, and, and fruit, but we have here wooden ships of that particular date, according again to my research, um, they used to sheathe the bottom of the hull to protect the wood below the waterline from the, uh, the, the woodworm. And this fits with the date of the Viscount Melbourne because originally they used copper and copper didn't last that long. So they then in later time went over to brass and this is brass copper sheeting with its little nails intact um, from where it went into the woods. Then as we've progressed with this wreck and we are now getting into the mud, we are bringing up the finer things out of the mud such as navigational equipment. And the beauty of this is they are still in full working order. Now, we're not 100% sure, we've yet to have this confirmed that this is navigational gear, but the archeologist that was here uh, seem to think that they were uh, part of the navigational gear. However, we've had a colleague on board, Phil, and he did some research on the internet and he believes that this is uh, a one piece of a seven piece writing set. Now, I'm feeling that it could be correct because these are the pieces that came out of that one particular spot. And this is a beautiful example of a writing pen, the ink nib, where I do not know, I'm assuming that it was either the quill of a, um, a feather or a fine piece of uh, timber, you know, a beautiful piece of, of wood that was placed in there. And what's interesting about this particular one is normally that, that nib has a point on the end. These nibs are for calligraphy. So therefore the finer form of writing. So I don't know whether it would be used for log keeping or letter writing. This here for me is even more exciting because it's pencil and it's half a pencil. And pencils were made in those days the same way that they are today. They're made in two halves and then joined together. But in the process of, of treating the timber, 
I kept this piece and I, I kept thinking it's familiar it's really familiar to me I don't know what it is but it's really familiar and I had it soaking originally in water until the salt was out regularly changing the water every day and then once it, that procedure's been done then you put glycol which is what we put in our radiators and you allow that to naturally dry out to evaporate and then you treat with two parts linseed oil and mineral turpentine and you saturate it the idea is to keep oxygen keep the air away and out from the artifacts so if you're going to have this on display it has to be its fibers have to be strengthened with the glycol and then they have to be saturated with the oil and sealed completely from the air so it will no longer deteriorate so this is what we've done but in the process of this I, I started to notice that there's a little dark gray section appearing and then I've realized I do know the shape of this it's a lead pencil from 1842 and we know it's 42 that it went down so it's a 170 year old pencil which this all came out of the one area and so we are hoping that on this next dive we will go to the same spot and see if we can't bring more hopefully more navigational gear up this particular one in front here, uh, we know that it had uh, gunpowder, or actually saltpeter is not gunpowder, saltpeter actually is a mineral that is mined that is mixed with um, animal manure to make gunpowder. But it, they did have guns on board and so there was a powder room because we, have, we do have a cannon down there confirmed. This is a deck light and this is a prism that was placed inside the deck of the gun room, the powder room, because no naked flame could be taken into the powdered room. These are bronze, they're bronze nails and they are bronze decking nails and so they need to be that depth to go through the actual deck planking itself and that's the deck not the sides because that's a, a, a again a different uh, timber. We have a, a few different nails actually and what's called strikers, larger strikers and they're used to hold the timbers together. I knew nothing about shipping in those days. I don't know much about shipping today or shipbuilding. Uh, this has put me on an adventure which has been for me remarkable. It's drawn me back to the 1900s to the 1800s and it's given me a little glimmer of the technology that they had. It was really quite amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the work that has gone into this and that they had the ability to even do that at this particular time. And I'm keen to share this. I'm keen to share this with other people. I want other people to have this experience as well, particularly children. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't have this knowledge um, that I wasn't able to access this sort of thing because it's uh, for me it's a massive adventure it really is a massive adventure it's it's a hard difficult road at times as well this one here um, is one of the very first pieces that we brought up it was already broken and it was actually damaged by another fellow that we had on board who just took to it to see what it was like because he was like um, not really interested in the artifacts for their value as in their historical value but I understand that this is a medicine and of course this bottle was brought up at the same time and so the two together this is a medicine bottle that this is a medicine spoon so when people ask me how do you know what it is um, I have lateral thinking 
And a lot of times things are quite logical that if they're brought up together, but then you go to the internet and you check in other museums around the world to see what they have and match them up and compare them. And then you have that confirmation. And that's what enables a husband and wife team to be able to do this without a huge support team behind us. Without the internet, we, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do this. And so, you know, thank you to the internet and technology that we have today. So across the board, just to recap, we have, we have samples of chain and metal. We have the bronze and copper nails and also brass tools. We have um, wonderful examples of timber from the, from the rigging. Um, we have brass porthole. We have remnants of animals that were on board. We have beautiful pieces of the finer pieces getting into the writing sets, the captain's quarters. We're into the galley where we're into the willow pattern plate uh, crockery. And again, researching that, you can go back to the, uh, the willow plate. The willow pattern plate is originally associated with being something Chinese and something hand painted. What they did in England is they, they allowed the poor people to have their porcelains as well. So they had a printed form of the willow pattern plate that the, they, you didn't have to be a, 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 an aristocrat to be able to have this porcelain. And this willow pattern plate is of that grade. It's printed, it's not hand painted. It doesn't necessarily have its marks behind. But according to my research, again, you could determine who made, who the maker of that was. On the willow pattern plate, you have always the same design, although each, each design can be different. You have a tree, and on that tree, um, I had no idea they were termed apples, but you counted these apples, and depending on the person who actually the manufacturer, they placed a different amount of apples. And so it doesn't need its mark behind because we can determine who the maker of this particular plate was by its little apples. So another thing from the internet. So all of our information is from the internet, the way we clean them up, the way we process them, we gather that information and uh, cross-reference it with actual archaeologists to confirm that what we're doing is correct.